Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. And welcome to fall, folks, or so they say. We're post-Labor Day. Uh, we have our full panel, which means Priscilla Board is with us. Priscilla is the Movement Politics Director here at Citizen Action of Wisconsin. Priscilla, it's great to have you. Thank you. Yes, I am. Uh, as much as I love the summer, definitely enjoying this little bit of of coolness that's here the windows are open the nice breeze is coming in it's halloween season we finally have arrived this is a good time of the year oh priscilla let me tell you i thought it was great to get up this morning walk out in a pair of shorts and be cold it was nice and i did something that I dare say it's probably a record. I, I took out my phone and I looked at the forecast for the next two weeks and it looks like it's not going to get hot again. So I removed my window air conditioner this morning. What a great seminal moment uh, to do it this early. I'm hoping I won't regret it. I don't think I will um, really don't use it that much anyways, but man certainly needed it the last couple of days to be able to have a place to work. But we got to also welcome Robert Craig executive director here at citizen action who we know is not happy with this cool streak he loves that 100 degree 90 degree weather robert good to have you oh this weather's great running weather so i don't Ooh. i don't mind 60s along the lake either i was walking on the lake at five in the morning when it before sunrise today yes well look folks uh just because it's fall <laughs> It, it doesn't mean the politics has quieted down or has come to an end. It actually heats up. We are headed into a legislative session, actually, here. There are going to be a series of bills moving through, and we'll talk more about some of those that happened this week. But before we do that, we do have to talk about all the noise that has been going on. Eh, about It's been going on for a little bit. First was floated. Now it's uh, for about a week. Now it's become a very real thing. And that is the um, mega legislative Republicans effort, right? It's really more of a scheme, like a power scheme or a power play to try to threaten to impeach Justice Protosiewicz before there's even been a, a ruling, even been an opportunity to try to figure out no no clearly clearly no violations of of law but uh folks it is it's a real deal in terms of it demonstrates and i want to get our panel's response to this the very clear reality that this mega republican party is all about power quite frankly in wisconsin it has been now for over a decade but this is just a ratcheting up or a clarifying of that and it, it's pretty clear it's going to be met in kind by the Democratic Party, as uh, Ben Wickler and announced uh, this week, that there will be a significant response, as well there should be. Um, I would argue this is a gross overstep of, I think, where the center is in this state. But we're highly gerrymandered, and if they can stop that, that's what they're going to do. Priscilla, uh, to get your initial response to this uh, Um. This effort, this power play, this scheme. A good word for it, this this scheme. Um, it is it is just a power play. It's people being angry and upset 
and big mad because they can't handle the fact that we that they might lose the next election if we have fair maps. Uh, they just they're not ready to actually run a real race because they've never had to before. They've always just been able to pour money into things and know that their district was safely gerrymandered enough that they could easily hit that 50% plus one. And so they're just, you know, they're they're scared and they can't accept that they lost. And we know that there are two outcomes for every race. One person's going to win, one person's going to lose. And that's how every race uh happens that's how voting happens uh it's 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 also it's scary like i'll be real it's scary and it's confusing so let me put that out there that if you're confused by this process it's okay it's meant to be confusing uh because they don't want you to pay attention to it they want you to get too frustrated and be like oh i can't understand this i'm just not going to pay attention please pay attention to what you can uh don't get discouraged in the voting system. Yes, they're trying to blatantly take away votes and we're not going to let that happen. So just don't don't decide to sit out an election because of of this and just don't get discouraged. Just keep like keep voting. This is this is what we have to do. We have to let them know that this is not just an okay thing for them to do. Robert, this uh classic Republican power play that pushes the envelope of what's actually legit legal yeah and let me just touch on priscilla's point because a lot of there probably in our podcast audience aren't a lot of wavery people who might become frustrated and not vote but that's a lot of people and all of the opinion leaders and connected people who listen to battleground wisconsin you need to not discourage people by in the way you talk about this and and ourselves so lack of confidence in democracy. So Priscilla's making a critical point, understanding that probably battleground Wisconsin listeners are going to vote, but you know all sorts of people that you actually could turn against voting by talking about this in a way that's demoralizing and uh, discrediting democracy. And that's the core of this. So Priscilla's on to the core. We have a party that doesn't believe in democracy. Why don't they believe in democracy? Because they don't think they can win if everyone votes. And they have no ethical problem with minority rule uh, because they re- they represent actually the major powers in this country, the large corporate leaders, billionaires, who actually think they matter more than everyone else and should rule and in fact are better because they have power, because they have money. So that's what this is about. And it, it we shouldn't surprise us all the voter suppression, the gerrymandering, right? We go on and on. We had a, their party attempt to overturn the last election and 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 their and the person who tried to do it being the the runaway front runner for their nomination despite uh three uh, you know four indictments and three major criminal invite, indictments. Uh so that is the party we're dealing with and we've talked about in Battleground Wisconsin they will use all the power they have. Period. And the problem is there's a lot of power they have. Our constitutional system is based on there being some level of ethics in the exercise of powers. So it was never conceived that the impeachment uh, provision would be used in this purely political way that is inconsistent with any other use in in Wisconsin's history, okay? 
uh, just as it was never conceived that they would do a gerrymander so bad that you didn't have democracy, where one party in a 50-50 state was guaranteed super majorities, not just majorities in the state legislature. And it, and voting didn't matter in state elective ra legislative races in terms of who would hold power and hold it with an iron fist because they don't care. They don't need it to be legitimate. So what they would yeah. do, the scenario is this, Unfortunately for them, if they just impeach him, impeach and convict, Governor Evers can appoint a replacement. But if they just impeach by majority in the assembly and then hold up conviction, then Judge Protasewicz can't rule on anything and they prevent the maps from being changed. Okay, so they can hold their illegitimate power. So that is what is going on here. I've been surprised, and I've said this on the radio a number of times that we weren't Democrats. The people with the money on our side weren't agitating the public about this because our only solution here, because they have the power, is to educate the public. But they got in this week in a big way. Ben Wickler's all over the airwaves and lots of money is being committed. So that's good, but that's the only thing that can stop this. Both shaming them from doing it and raising the their perceived political costs and then also making uh, many feel that they could lose their re-election over it, but just damaging and destroying the, the reputation of this party if they do this, because if the public understands what it is, because they'll have full of propaganda to lie about it, they will be outraged. Just to be clear, there has never been a recusal for things a candidate for Supreme Court said during an election. And there's a long history of Supreme Court justices making all sorts of statements about their views. Yes. Patience Rogensack said that abortion doctors are terrorists and she rules on abortion cases, okay? So this is made up, but if it's not answered, it might seem plausible that Janet did something wrong because they'll repeat that over and over and over again, just like the Hunter Biden business at the national level. Folks, it's very simple, right? If you get into the weeds with this, you're in you're in a bad spot because you're giving credence to the whole thing. There needs to be basic outrage over the effort to overturn an election. Let's just be very clear about what this is. This is not legitimate, right? By any means. And what a democracy should be about. And I do and I will say they put in play uh a whole series of events if they actually were to try to go through this. And I think that that is understood by some Republicans, particularly in the Senate. Folks, part of the strategy, and you need to know this because it's a good one, and it's why you should be confident and you should be out there talking to folks and pushing back against this crap full-throatedly, is that there are a lot of state senators that are actually can be vulnerable and are not down with this. And Protosewitz got majorities in their districts. This is a huge, th this ain't some like technicality. They're overturning an election of a, a Supreme Court justice where balance of power is at stake. It's not some little technical thing. So um, folks, we're going to lean into our power as we go forward in this, because this is a gross overstep in an effort to overturn a democracy. And we can win this. We will win this. Uh, but stay here. We'll continue to keep you informed. Uh, but absolutely engage your neighbors. But don't give it any credence. And make sure you 
get them to understand. And I think a majority of people are going to not, not before this, not before this. Folks, you're listening to The Battleground, Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground, Wisconsin. Before we uh, go on to some other issues, we want to just quickly uh, finish up on some state stuff. Did mention, right, the legislative session, folks, it's back. We're back. Um, And this is the last legislative session before the big election next year. So it's a critical opportunity to really start to use this session to lay out what's at stake in addition to what we just talked about um, in the next election. And We'll continue as we go forward in the show to talk more about some major pieces of legislation that we are working with um, state legislators to introduce that we think are critical to this debate. But before we do that, do want to just spend a little bit mentioning the holy shitball that the Republicans introduced this week, just as a way to be clear about what's happening here. They brought out another massive tax cut to the wealthy. Right. While they are working to try to figure out how to send a half a billion dollars to a billionaire, they rolled out childcare bills that don't do anything. There was a public hearing yesterday where they were universally panned, would be polite, destroyed and blown up, would be the reality and uh, of most of the testimony from people who actually work in the industry and, and, um, deliver child care robert 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 more of the same when we talked about in the last segment about the attempted you know impeachment gambit to overturn the supreme court election and to protect maps that are the most undemocratic in the country i talked about who was behind it now you see who gets the payola wealthy people so don't just say, oh, Robin Voss is terrible. Look what he's saying. He's the front man. Okay. There are people behind it who are getting off scot-free who still want more money despite half a century of massive cut cuts for the wealthiest among us and for and for big corporations. So they want to lock it in place, though. They want a constitutional amendment that also requires a two-thirds vote to increase taxes. So their goal with the gerrymandered legislature is to get massive tax cuts through, and then lock them in permanently, even if they lose majorities. And that's what this is. And they and this includes all the cuts like we basically made manufacturing tax-free in the state uh, and given away huge billions and billions of revenue there, makes all of that harder to change. So they're just trying to freeze in the ill-gotten gains of the illegitimate legislatures of the last 12 years. So that's what's going on. We need revenue to fund childcare, to fund education. Governor Evers doesn't do enough job of saying that. He just competes with, with, with more progressive tax cuts. I'm sorry, look what President Biden's doing, billionaire's tax. That's where the public is. We just start taxing the people who are taking most of the gains of our economy from us and rigging it against us and rigging the tax code against us. Before I go to Priscilla, I want to use this quickly to highlight something we talk a lot about. And it's the idea that Robert just mentioned that we think there should have been a progressive taxation within the state budget to lay out something to contrast these egregious 
tax cuts for the wealthy. Here's what happens when you do that. Todd Onstead voted for this tax cut. Democrat from Kenosha. If you live in Kenosha, call Todd. Talk to him. I'm not telling you to go blow him up. I'm telling you to go talk to him. You can do what you want, but help explain to him, right? Like, we can't fund childcare. We can't fund public education in Kenosha. We can't do the things we need to do to get this economy functioning in our communities. If we give the rich tax cuts, Priscilla. While we're on on set, if you're going to call him, call him to put out a statement about what's been going on with Kenosha police as well, because he's been quiet about that, too. Uh, But I digress. Yes. Uh, You know, the Republicans got to put this all forward now because they know if they get new maps, they're going to lose and they can't put these terrible things forward anymore because they won't have the votes. So we're going to see this a lot. Uh, But once again... It's not benefiting people who need it. I used to work in childcare. I know many people who work in childcare and many people who were disappointed about the budget uh, that came forward. And now Tony wants to do childcare things. And, you know, he had a really good chance to do some good childcare things and chose not to go that route uh, and chose not to go badger care route and public education route and, you know, community policing route. But again, uh, this is all part of their, their power plays. And it's really disappointing to see folks like, like on vote with the Republicans to just give them more, more power for just terrible reasons. So again, this is all part of, of power grabs uh, and it can make things really like disheartening to be like, Oh, cool. The, uh, the wealthy are the ones who are going to get the the tax cuts. Uh, You know, shout out also to Elizabeth Warren with that two cent wealth tax. Uh, Something we need here. It's something we need in every, every state. There is no reason that the rich just get, keep getting, richer and the people who need the the help of any kind big or small are just not able to get it because republicans just don't value people as people they value their money well folks later in the show in the last uh segment we're gonna we're gonna talk with um dave zyron about the stadium situation and just remember when we're having that conversation about the this conversation we just had right we're not f- properly funding child care. We're going to have child centers massively shutting down or people being pulled out of the workforce as rates go up. 39% of public edu- public uh, districts are seeing a reduction in resources, massive expansion of vouchers. And we're going to seriously consider giving away a half a billion dollars without getting a piece of equity, getting some massive return for our investment. It's insane. But before we do that, um, I do first, Robert, I want to give you, if you had anything else you wanted to say about this, give you any uh, final comments, but I do want us to, we, we, I want us to turn and we want to talk about what's been going on around cop city, but Robert, I don't, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, on? There was a hearing on a package of six childcare bills. It was from a former child uh, care provider, but she's a Republican. And so what you see is, cause I have no doubt that 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 representative uh, is well-intended 
they can't get their minds around what would act, what the actual problem is. She want, talks about getting to the root of the problem of why there's a crisis in childcare. The root is not enough money that even with uh, rates people can't pay with their income, they can't that you you can't pay anything but poverty wages. You lo- use all the workers, and you have, according to all the research in early child education, ratios of, of provider to, uh, to kids that are much too high, and her bills range from meaningless, like a $15 million revolving fund to get borrowing for building, to damaging, such as you can go up to the same size child ratio of childcare provider to young kid that you have in classrooms, which of course, those are too high as well or getting higher. So which those are the disastrous ones, because they won't say the elephant in the room, which is they need public money and all of the businesses that come in corporate titans and whine about a workforce shortage, whole lot of people sing on the sidelines because they cannot afford childcare for their kids. And so, and that's well documented. And Governor Evers did try to continue doing what the uh, Biden administration had done through the, uh, um, through the um, relief, COVID relief, uh, which was better. There's a lot going to be a lot of closures without doing it. It wasn't the full package of what needs to be done. But the National Democrats did have that in the Build Back Better agenda, which they are committed to doing if they if Biden wins election and they have a governing majority in both houses. So that's where we are. The Republicans, even they want to solve these problems, can't cope with them because they want to give the money to rich people instead of to our kids and our young families. Well, I just want to underscore what was just stated because this is... This is this is everything. And Priscilla is our movement politics director. This is what 2024 is all about. Remember, just said it. And it's really important for us as progressives in our organization. And I would argue Democrats, but we just have to lead is to full throatedly assert what this election's about. And it is about going beyond what's happened in the inflation reduction. It's about getting the things that are wildly popular like childcare that was cut out of build back better, right? Like all those things we know, we know what can win. We know what's popular. We have to full throatedly assert it over the next, what, 18 months, 16 months. We all have to get engaged in that. We can't just say, Oh, Ben Wickler, go raise billions and millions of dollars and put it up on ads and then complain about them. We got to get involved. We got to get engaged. We got to participate in talking to our neighbors. And we will have lots of programs to do that. That work starts. It's already started, but it, it starts now in the state legislative battles and making sure that we lay out what's actually at stake in the 2024 election. We'll talk more and more shows about programs that we're going to be launching this month, later this month that do exactly that and give you an opportunity to volunteer both in your neighborhoods, but also on the phones and in other ways, talking to voters and making a difference and preparing to win in 2024. You're listening to the battleground Wisconsin where citizen action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Priscilla, I'm going to turn to you because I know you have been tracking this topic really closely. Um, and 
it's super important and we want to spend a little bit of time talking about it this week. And that is the situation that's been going on with cop city uh, for over a year now. And the, let's just say it really impressive organizing that's been going on on the ground by activists who'd like to, to, to envision a world where we have less, if not no cops and we invest in the kind of things that we all know will make us safe. But instead we're investing in a giant facility to train in more and more police and why it's important to talk about this week. And Priscilla, I hope you can educate our listeners is there was a Rico indictment by the attorney general down there. That just seems like a wild stretch and abuse of basic uh, constitutional rights. Priscilla, tell us what's going on in yeah. Cap City in Georgia. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there uh, was an indictment this week of 60 plus people, uh, Rico, on uh, racketeering and corruption. And also many people uh, were are getting charged uh, with domestic terrorism and attempted arson uh, and money laundering on this list as well. Um, it's worth noting the things that are listed uh, underneath the uh, racketeering and domestic terrorism uh, are things like the word solidarity. Uh, they're getting charged because they were making zines, because they were doing mutual aid. Uh, they were, you know, handing out flyers of what is Cop City? What is going on here at Cop City? What are they proposing? What do you do when you are harassed by a police officer uh, or assaulted by a police officer? They included all of these things, things that we do. I was going to say, it sounds day. like organizing, Priscilla. Yeah, this is organizing. We do mutual aid. We make <laughs> art. We are in solidarity with these movements. And that's what makes it like really real that there are there's such good work going down in Atlanta. If you are not following, excuse me, if you're not following the Stop Cop City movement, get online, follow it, get involved, see who the corporations are behind it. It's very surprising. Uh some of those corporations that are behind Cop City, you know, like Coca-Cola is is one of the big ones. Um so get get involved, do what you can, uh, and just you know send out some encouragement to people. Again, like we talked about earlier, this this is gonna this is meant to discourage people. Uh, the, the AG knew what they were doing, uh, but organizers are not letting it discourage them. They're not giving up, and all of a sudden, be like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna have Cop City. Like these are ridiculous, full of bullshit charges. We know that. Uh, we we know that that's what they're trying to do is discourage this, but we know that there is not going to be a world that we have a cop city in Atlanta because that's just going to open the floodgates of more and more in every single major city across the United States, and then it'll go to non-major cities. So it was it was a big a big thing. Uh, and again, yeah. it's it's really scary. It was really scary to read about it and you know have all the names of the people published and be like, we know these people. They're, they're great Atlanta organizers and they've been doing this since George Floyd's murder. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, it's hard not to get discouraged, but that's all that this tactic is, is meant to dissuade people from getting involved. Look, uh, 
I, I, I let me just say this should be the opposite of discouraging. This should be incredibly motivating. And the other reason I wanted us to talk about this, Priscilla, in addition, is because it is the same thing we just talked about. Look at what that attorney general in Georgia is willing to do with their power. What's going on here? We RICO charges for this behavior. Um, just so you know, folks, Trump is being charged under similar RICO charges, right? That's the kind of like, that's the kind of behavior. And yet we can't even get like RAG to, con- you know, fake electors. It's, it's about how are we exercising power on behalf of our side, right? And are we using more leverage than we have? And I am not saying like we should do the exact same thing. I'm saying when we have good leverage, let's use it. Let's push forward. Childcare is very popular. Let's push forward, fund it, invest in it, get the revenue we need for it and say, here's how we're going to spend it. It'll be popular. Robert. So I, I think we should get to fundamentals on this because the criminal justice debate in many ways needs to be recentered since the backlash against alleged defund the police, though no one was running on defunding the police. Uh, no, no elected official is saying that we can abolish the police right away. Abolition is long term. We create a society that doesn't require people with guns in order to, for public safety in large numbers roaming our streets. Um, The RICO law. We have people to hold both thoughts because we need to think about what a good democracy would do. The Georgia RICO law is abusive. And some uh, progressive legal minds are willing to say that publicly, even though on our side, it's like, well, it's being against Trump, so we shouldn't say that. Now, I'll be damned if it's not going to be used against Trump. It's going to be used against everyone else, which is what's happening right now. It was used uh, by Fonnie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney, against those teachers that were involved in some in uh, in in rigging tests. Um, it's used against all sorts of people. In this case, it shows the abuse, right? What the RICO law in Georgia, which is broader than the the the, the U.S. one, allows you to do is cobble together all sort by claiming a whole big thing is a conspiracy cobble together all sorts of things that themselves are completely legal like in fact are constitutionally protected as we're talking about the right to assemble the right to protest right which is central to up to our constitution and connect it to a few alleged violent acts by 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 a, a small number of people and say it's all part of the same conspiracy therefore you've all created felonies and therefore try to felonize an entire movement of people simply pressing against this militarization of our cities through uh, through massive police departments. So that needs to be understood that this is we should not progressives should not want a RICO law like this. But, you know, as far as Trump, it was on the books and Donald Trump shouldn't have tried to steal the election in Georgia if he didn't want the RICO law applied to him and all of his the other co-indictees, the other 19. Um, second thing. There's no analysis here that building this massive training center is going to improve public safety, even coming from the right. So think of this more as 
proof of they can show this muscular, we're going to stand up to all the criminals and all the, the other people, let's face it, the people not like us. And it's very much like building a military base on a on, on a on a country where we're not getting along with border, right? Or we're going to we have to keep fighting the Vietnam War so we don't look weak. All the anti-communist domino theory ridiculousness. That's what this is. This is just highly symbolic. And we know that you have to do a lot more than just have policing, that policing only is bad for public safety, and this is drawing all the money. And Priscilla's right. This is it's donated land by the public, which is suspicious, but then it is massively privately funded through the police foundation. We have to understand that the police have become part of the right, part of the MAGA right. And this is all symbolic. Oh, forget all this criminal justice reform and alternatives to policing and all of that, uh, because we are going to show that we're the ones in power and we're going to build this, what amounts to massive military base on the outskirts of Atlanta. So this becomes obviously symbolic for their side. It becomes pretty damn symbolic uh, for those who want to change the system as well. Hence, this protest, which is why a Republican attorney general using RICO to bring in, I mean, if they're, they're people allegedly through Molotov cocktails, you can pr prosecute them. That is criminal. That's not this whole movement. That's not all the social justice leaders. That's the abuse of this RICO process. But now you see people like Wisconsin's lawyer, Kenneth Chesbro, who came up with the fault electors thing, saying, oh, I had nothing to do with this other stuff. I shouldn't be trying. I'm sorry. He was part of specifically the conspiracy to overturn the election and wrote the legal justification for it. Okay? So that's different. Here's here's what I hope has been very instructive over the last three segments. If you're looking for the law and for facts, like on all this stuff to just totally set you free, you will be confused. Priscilla talked about that. If you just like stick to the more, just your core understanding of what's going on here and the power and how it's being used against people and how sometimes it's about, do you exercise power in key moments on behalf of your values and what's right and when we don't do that we 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 lose we we are we often take steps back we create situations where some of our allies take bad votes because they feel pressure and there's no alternative there's no progressive text to say i'm for that anyways before we um, take a break, and then we'll be joined by award-winning journalist David Zyron, who's also currently the editor, sports editor of The Nation, to talk about the complete ram job that's going on, or effort to try and jam a half a billion dollars of public money for billionaire sports team owner. Do want to mention that our, we have talked before about what's been going on around healthcare uh, and how it's provided uh, in Milwaukee, particularly uh, the very controversial closing of the labor and delivery unit at St. Francis, efforts by uh, the same company, Ascension, who, who runs these operations to try and um, mess with the amazing hospital over at St. Joe's, a whole bunch of things. Um, it is worth noting Ascension faces a strike 
potentially Monday in nine hospitals around the country, multiple unions. Folks, we're going to keep an eye on Ascension here in Wisconsin because it, it it's not likely to get better. And we're going to need to be very attentive uh, and very supportive of um, the workers who are already well organized over there. Our good friends at the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals represent some of them. But uh, just we're going to have to watch this. Uh, we'll have more if um, if Ascension is struck in nine different hospitals, has major implications potentially uh, to trickle out here in Wisconsin. And it is worth noting the per- current person who runs Ascension here in, Wisconsin, in southeast Wisconsin runs one of the nine hospitals that's being struck where the workers haven't had a pay raise since 2019. So um, he's here now. So we can expect some of that lovely policy. But folks, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dave Zyron. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're really thrilled with our guest. We are joined by Dave Zyron. Dave is probably known to most of our listeners. He is nationally known for his journalism around sports and the intersection of sports and politics. Uh, He is the editor, sports editor for The Nation, writes all over the place, including The Progressive, right? Very famous here in Wisconsin. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. This is very, very important work. Well, I appreciate that you took the time. Um, I just reached out to you on short notice to come on because it's a pressing situation here. Um, what's going on is we have the Brewers billionaire owner essentially trying to get about a half a billion dollars, mostly state, but some effort to make it the city even pay, which is amazing given the city almost declared bankruptcy um, for this team for repairs on a stadium. And they're really trying to jam it through. And so we wanted to have you on to put it in perspective. You've been covering this a lot over the decades around the country, have written a lot about what's going on in Washington, Baltimore, and most recently in Oakland. Could you put what, you th- what you've heard here in Milwaukee and put it in perspective to what's happening nationally, both within MLB, but just generally with sports franchises? Sure. I mean, well, first, just to give it some historical scope, I was thinking that when I started out as a sports writer, I was often invited to go on to radio programs, television programs, dueling op-eds to argue about the relative benefits and deficits of the public funding of stadiums. And these were huge debates a couple of decades ago. And one of the things that I've seen over the ensuing two decades is that while the stadiums are still getting built and public money is still getting used, the culture of debate about it has dried up dramatically. And the only debates that I have seen, like the ones in Oakland about moving to to Vegas, like the ones that you're dealing with in Wisconsin, are debates that our side has to impose on the situation. It used to be that the pro stadium people wanted to have this argument and wanted to talk it out, but then they made a pretty dramatic and coordinated shift. And that's not a conspiracy theory. I mean, these stadium projects are discussed league wide. So leagues have perspectives because there are committees inside the leagues 
about growth and stadium expansion. It, these aren't, it, this isn't like the Brewers are doing this in a vacuum. This is the Major League Baseball perspective for the Brewers. The Major League Baseball perspective for the A's is to move to Las Vegas. I think people need to realize that these are collaborative and very centralized relationships between club and league. And the leagues have clearly decided that they don't want to have these debates any longer. And the reasons for that are pretty clear. The, the basic one is that they, they were losing. They were losing these debates. They were losing on the radio, on TV, in the op-ed pages, because we were starting to gather a couple decades ago academic data with some serious teeth about the economic effects of these stadiums. So while it used to be a debate of warring opinions, it started to become a debate of warring facts. And if you've got the facts on your side, unless of course you're with the modern iteration of the Republican Party, uh, if you don't have the facts on your side, you tend to retreat into this uh, universe of ep epistemological closure where you know the sky is, is green and uh, you know birds whistle Rolling Stones songs and oh, here's this other fantastical thing. Stadiums make great money back for the states. So they've well, chosen to live in, in, live in this alternative reality that, frankly, I think we could argue maybe has had this cultural ripple effect that we now see in the Republican Party. I mean, we shouldn't always think that one follows the other. You know, there are these relationships that exist between, you know, a huge cultural force like sports and then how our politics choose to talk about politics. But they've chosen to accept an alternative reality, pay off the right politicians, push through these stadium deals. They don't you, want to have the debate. You're, so you're, you're 100% right about that, about yeah. the lack of any debate on this. It's just literally, and it, by the way, it's an effort to jam this through. We first Absolutely. heard about it with the governor announcing that he was going to put it in his budget. There had been zero public discussion the last time the Brewers did this massive public discussion. They lost it, and people lost seats when they supported it, and I think they don't want to repeat that, they even don't having the debate. Yep. Yep, they don't want the debate because they lose the debate because they don't have the facts and we have the data. Hey, what, the data one other one other thing, David, real quick that you brought up that is super important was you brought up this is not not about just our billionaire owner. Our billionaire owner is this is MLB. MLB has made it a part of its operating revenue to have public subsidies. They've asked, begged the public to get involved in their business and we need to step up i think that and, and and argue against this because they don't want to have that conversation at all in fact they showed up they showed up to milwaukee uh manfred about a month ago and said oh we're not threatening but by the way we expect all of our stadiums to be in the upper quarter percentile of them which is mathematical insanity you can't do that uh, so we everybody knew like it was in when you come in with things that are even almost unmeetable. Anyways, you're I, just this idea about all of these leagues being set up to do this and why there's so little pushback. It's very hard. These each city seems like they fight it on their own, and there's no collective action on this. Um, your thoughts on that? You've seen this over and over. It seems like it's played out city by city. 
Um, and, yeah, and that's a losing battle. It's the same way a Foxconn can build itself. If you divide cities and communities up against each other in a competitive relationship, they don't act collectively and get there's something very There's something very important happening in the Midwest right now, a driving distance from where you are, where Northwestern football is trying to jam through a new stadium in Evanston. And there has been a march called for September 26th by Evanstonian residents and one of the things that they've tried to do, the, the, the brain trust at Northwestern and in Evanston city government is try to set residents against each other to say it's an issue of, as they put it, black generational wealth. And that building a stadium is about fighting for racial equity and they'll create a special fund for racial equity. And a lot of the language that we heard in the Black Lives Matter movement refracted through a corporate lens for not the purposes of trying to build any sort of generational wealth, but really in a liberal community like Evanston, an attempt to try to use racism, use institutionalized racism, use the horrors of that history as a shibboleth, as a stick to beat, say, white liberal residents who otherwise would oppose the stadium and make them feel like, oh, if I'm opposing the stadium, then I'm somehow opposing racial equity. And a letter was recently published in the Evanston paper signed by uh, black residents and community groups rejecting both the stadium and rejecting this cheap ploy to turn people against each other on racial grounds. Solidarity is the only way we're going to win. We're not going to win through white guilt, falling for racial, false racial equity arguments. Uh, what we're going to need is struggle. And I know people in Evanston very closely because I have family there. And what these folks have said to me in weeks ago was, well, the mayor's for the stadium. I don't think there's anything we're going to be able to do to stop it, even though it's going to be right on the central drag of town, even though it's going to block people from getting to the only trauma center uh, in all of Evanston. I mean, it, it, it's a dystopic idea to put a stadium right in this particular place um, with all the bells and whistles that they want. Dave, but, I heard the exact yeah. same thing this weekend at labor events from political leaders about just a sense of hopelessness on the power structures being, you know, up against this. And especially I think a lot of Dems felt that because the governor is the one who first put out like all of this. Um, and it's, but Matt, Matt, it's so critical just... to fight against that. It's yeah, so Matt, critical. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to finish the thought if I could. Yep, it's, absolutely. It's the, the calling for the march in Evanston has changed the entire debate. That's the important part. Because yes, there's helplessness, but partly there's helplessness because what's the alternative if it looks like the politicians are lined up against you? Well, the alternative has to do with the people and the power of the people and the power of the people to shift. And I think, I do think, and this is not a majority opinion by any stretch, I think they're going to win in Evanston in beating this back. But the, the main thing to think about is that, that the fact that it's even a debate now that maybe the people can win over the power of the billionaires and the corporate interests and the university interests, that's a shift. And that's what we need to provide people, even that sliver of hope, that bit of daylight that says they cannot just ram this down our throats. Dave, that was beautiful. And that's absolutely right. It's what we want to try to do here at Citizen Action. We're encouraging our listeners. We have a petition we want you to sign where there will be more. We are working with other groups to build out 
support to do more. We're asking actually for a radical thing, an equity stake in the Brewers to make sure we're whole. If this major league baseball wants to have its operating the way it operates, rely on our money. We need a piece. Uh, we need to change the debate. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and providing not only the broader perspective, but centering the notion that like, this is no different than anything else. It requires organized people to speak up and make sure that the democracy actually reflects their values. May I make one last point if I could? Absolutely. Uh, look, you know how there's that expression, um, you know, there's no such thing as being a little bit pregnant. You either are or you're not. I don't think that applies to stadium deals where a win means the stadium fails and a loss means the stadium gets built. Because stadiums are going to get built, but we have to ask ourselves, will they be built with union labor? Will they be built with private funding? If they are built with public funding, will the public get equity in the team? So there are a lot of demands. We have a lot of arrows in our quiver to win these fights. It's not just about saying no to the stadium, although I'm certainly for that in places where it matters, like Evanston, where there is no good way to put a stadium in front of a trauma center. But when you can get union labor, when you can get set-asides, when you can get promises of jobs, when you can get real racial equity uh, as part of the discussion, uh, then I think we have to look at those demands as well because we, we got to extract whatever we can from the bastards. Absolutely. We hear that. We're working on that. We will continue to have that be the vision. Dave, thank you so much for coming on, for, for talking to us, but also just for the years of work uh, in, in, and I consider you a part of a movement uh, on the journalist side. We really appreciate you. No, I appreciate you as well. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, please check out Dave's work, uh, his latest book, Jim Brown, The Last Man Standing. Excellent book. You can find them all over. We'll put links uh, to different places where you can uh, see more of what Dave has to say, because it's incredibly important. The nexus of politics in sports. Huh, it's super critical. And that wraps up this Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we want to thank our guest, David Zyron. Uh, for just an excellent interview and providing not only great perspective as to what's going on nationally, but reminding us we have agency and we all need to get into this fight and start talking to people and demand that our leaders get more if they're going to take our taxpayer money. Folks, we'll see you next week at the Battleground Wisconsin. We want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge. Makes it happen every damn week. See you later.